Hey everyone, Dave here. This is an encore episode of our Food Recognized Food conversation with Kevin Shin, owner of the now-closed restaurant Bread and Cup and author of a book of the same name. This may be an encore, but I have 2022 updates for you as I reached out to Kevin to see what was going on in his world. I'm happy to report a few things. First, he's got a new book called Use Fewer Words that I ordered promptly after finding out about its existence, and his awesome project known as The Portico is getting ready to open for 2022. This is Chef Shin's private one-table-per-night, as he refers to it, micro-restaurant. Chef's main inspiration is seasonal Nebraska-sourced food, and he plans on putting more emphasis this year on vegetables. He likes veggies like Japanese turnips, fairy tale eggplant, beets, and shishito peppers, and his personal garden will be growing produce like these. Getting to the portico has a secret, exclusive feel to match the single private table concept as you need to get a special code just to reserve a table. You can contact Kevin or find his book at 55degrees.us. Okay, here we go for an encore of Food Recognized Food with Chef Kevin Shin. What, what is never going to go away, it's never going to go away, is the need to sit down and commune with someone over food. Saturday Omaha. Eat this. How this whole thing started for us, we would get together on Saturday, catch up on the week, and try to find a place that was above average. You know, not, not mm-hmm. elite, but we're not, and, and nothing against Subway or Pizza Hut, but we're not going to Subway mm-hmm. or Pizza Hut. You know, we're, yeah. we're going to find, yeah. uh, you know, family burger joint or, mm-hmm. you know, um, just a, a nice place to be because we, we wanted conversation, a, yeah. a a place to enjoy food together. And, and you're right. And there's something so special about that. And uh, it's 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 a gift to to have that experience and yeah. So I, and I I think that is why the portico exploded because so many people were clamoring to get out. Yeah, and they found found out about me and they said, hey, can can I get in on that? And oh, we haven't been out in in months, and and this is the first time we've sat down to a meal like this. So, you know, it, it really did uh, scratch an itch you know, that people had. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you you sort of in a roundabout way uh, answered one of the questions that I wanted to ask you because I was going to ask you, you know what's going on with this restaurant effort, and you, yeah. you kind of nailed it. So you're yeah. you're doing the pre uh, backbreaking work of getting everything up to code and yeah. and literally opening your home to others, and that that's gotta I, I gotta imagine just you know having read your your book Bread and Cup, and uh, I got through it in two nights. Um, I had listened to your, uh, uh, interview with, uh, Brian O'Malley on uh, open kitchen mm-hmm. and I had listened to the restaurant hopping podcast with Dan Hoppin and I, I really enjoyed both of those. And, and you were talking about the, the book and, uh, Dan and I were talking and he's like, you know, Hey, I'll loan you that book. I'm like, I would love to read it. And I ripped through that thing. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the book here in a minute, but such such an enjoyable read um and knowing your philosophy and and ethos if you will i would assume mm-hmm. opening your home like this and then providing the food you want in an mm-hmm. environment you want right. has to really speak to your soul i mean oh man yeah it's the best of every world that's that's <laughs> awesome uh, it feels like i'm a chef again 
Yeah. But I, and I'm cooking for people, but not only that, I am their server. Yeah. I, I, I cook, I serve, I bust their table and I interact with them and I have one table all night. Yeah. I don't have 40 to, that I have to flip and turn and, and staff to manage them. I have one table all night. And so the stress level is, is minimal. Yeah. And it's, so it's just all the upside of, of everything I love about the restaurant, but it's, it's just one table. That's, that's awesome. It's, it, it's, they're really your adopted family for the night, you know, mm-hmm. open the door and yeah. welcome them in. The average guest stays about four and a half hours. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. half a day's work right there. That's just true. Serving. That's, that's true. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's just, it's so cool. I, I can't wait to see what you're, I mean, that's a whole different environment. And I, I mean, yeah. I haven't heard of anything certainly around this area that's anything similar to that, you know. So I'm I'm actually leaving tomorrow to drive down to Oklahoma to um, bring back a table that was hand built for me. Oh wow! Um, and I grew up in Oklahoma, and so the wood was uh, raised and milled and and uh, harvested in or harvested and milled in Oklahoma. Oh wow! At, at, from from a about twenty miles from my hometown, so even the table have significant deep roots to my story. Oh, that's that's awesome! That's awesome! I uh, that's that's cool. And your your father Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I'm sure that you know, growing up on the farm, obviously, definitely a lot of uh, uh, impact on your life there, and yeah. and to to bring a piece of that here. Yes. Um, a physical, yeah. a physical piece there is, is yeah. very cool. And my nephew is building the table. Oh, so that's, that's even, you know, that's, even more significant to have family be a part of it. That's awesome. Now, is there still a, uh, dirt path wound around a front yard <laughs> sitting at a farm no. in the middle of Oklahoma? <laughs> that dirt path long gone. <laughs> I've told that story hundreds of times though. I, I, uh, people so, love that story. Oh, it's, I, I'll, I'll tell you, there's, there's a, a number of things in this book that it lifts you up, it tugs at your heartstrings. Um, I've, you know, I've got a couple of kids. Uh, you could tell by the, the art mm-hmm. that my daughter has behind me here. Um, but uh, there, there's a quote in there from your dad that, uh, you know, about that path in the front yard. And, and your dad's quote was, you know, it was like, well, why, why are you letting him wear this path in the front yard? And, and your dad said, well, the grass will come back, but the boy won't. And yeah. that just, especially in my son is, uh, growing fast and, and I know you've got kids too and, and how fast that time goes. And, yeah. uh, he's, uh, he's actually taller than me now and, uh, wow. significantly younger than me. He's grown like a weed. And so that quote just, oh my goodness. And with, with everything, you know, with, uh, COVID and all these other things, a lot of the usual stuff we would have done over mm-hmm. the last year has just been on hold and that time. Mm-hmm is so fleeting. Um, so, oh man, that's, that's, that's cool. That is so cool. Well, I, I want to transition a little bit, um, into team building. And so by day, um, I, I manage a group of people and, uh, I love to grow teams and Mm -hmm. I really like to help them achieve their goals. And I get great satisfaction when they achieve those goals, I love to watch them flourish. You know, my job is to get blockages out of their way and to help Mm -hmm. them succeed and to help motivate them. 
Um, and I thought it was interesting that you had mentioned that uh, in in the book that you had done Strengths Finder, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, that futuristic was one of your top strengths. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, you definitely, uh, you know, are looking ahead right now. You're, you're doing right, this with the new right. restaurant. You, yeah, that's, it's, it's in play right now. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So I, I've also done StrengthsFinder. Um, some of my, my top 10, so um, ideation and mm-hmm. communication are some of mm-hmm. mine. And so I wanted to be nosy. And if you don't mind, yeah. do, what are some of your other maybe top five or top 10 that, that really kind of speak um, to you and help move you along? Maximizer was a, a top one. Um, how that plays out in me, I like to take something ordinary and make it better. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, um, I I like to improve things, and consequently, I think I lead that way. I ask other people to do the same thing. Yeah. Just improve it. Just make it better. So if you can make a dish better, that, great. You know, I'm not I'm not intimidated by that. I um, I'm for improvement and that's, I, I think how the maximizer in me comes out. Um, input is one I'm self-taught at everything. Yeah. Um, so people ask me where did I go to culinary school? And I said, watching iron chef and, and Alton Brown mainly. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But, but I just love, you know, I love input and love learning and reading and, um, you know, that, that's really a lot of how I, uh, uh, taught myself. I, I yeah. read almost everything Michael Ruhlman wrote. Um, he's about my age, and and he, you know, wrote about culinary experience. And he was not a chef, but, but he was writing about food and, and yeah. the lives of chefs. And and I just learned uh, that. That's, but that was how the input uh, strengths that's... Um, played itself out. Uh, well, and yeah, and I know you you had mentioned uh, Danny Meyer's book uh, oh, yeah. in there, you know, and that that I think sounds like that's a, a must read. I I have it, I have not finished it yet, but uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely some good input there. And in your book, yeah. you you're kind enough to recommend some other books to people to read mm-hmm. to read as well. So that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, that and books are books are so important to me, and that's why I share them. That's why they're there. That can be easily passed around. Definitely, definitely. Well, in in, in, in your book, you're, you mentioned the mission statement of, of mm-hmm. Bread and Cup to create mm-hmm. an outstanding environment for conversation and reflection yeah. through simple service, memorable food and drink. Mm-hmm. And so f- I was kind of curious from a, from a leadership perspective, from a chef perspective, how do you make sure that your, you and your mm-hmm. team are living that mission statement that it's not just I, I think sometimes mission statements you you write them down somewhere and then mm-hmm. eh, it goes over here like how do you make right. sure you're you're actually mm-hmm. doing that yeah well, well for for me um i think i wrote it also uh i wanted to create a, a workplace that people enjoyed coming to yeah i needed a place that i wanted to come to and if I didn't like working at my own restaurant, I cannot expect you to enjoy it. It has to come back to the leader of, do I really bleed this mission statement? Do I live it? Do I embody it? And um, that's how it came about. Because I was not a trained chef, uh, 
food was always secondary in my kind of uh, in in my mind mm -hmm. connecting people and i loved building that kind of environment and so the, the mission statement just simply came out of that that my own personal experience and so if if the leadership isn't isn't um all in then and in and your people are going to see that sure and they're going to they're going to see that you're faking it or you, you don't really believe it and so it's whatever that mission statement is it's got to be embodied into the life of the leader yeah. and um I, I just think that's what it was for me it, this was me you know this restaurant was uh my heart and soul and i think my team could see that and then they could join in on that yeah because they they saw that I was, you know, I, I, I was there at 5 a.m. baking bread on certain days. And I was there at 11 o'clock at night closing uh, at times. And I was out interacting and engaging with guests uh, every, every service. Yeah. And so that, that's how I embodied the statement. And, and it just made it so much easier for the team to join in. I, I like that. And the, uh, I, I had a coworker once that uh, he worked for kind of a smaller company and the, uh, the owner, you know, would come in and get coffee during the day and, and he, he would make coffee when it ran out and, and whatever. And, uh, when he took the last cup, you know, he'd get the last cup out of the coffee machine and, uh, would make the next pot. Cause that's mm -hmm. what you do. And yeah. so he comes in one time and, and there's no coffee in the pot even to pour. And here's the owner of the company, and he's like, I want to meet the guy that thinks he's so important that he doesn't have to start the coffee for the next person, you know. Right. <laughs> so there. Brilliant, yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, and yeah. also kind of in, in regards to your staff, you, you advise to listen to them. And in so in lean manufacturing, there's, there's a crucial mm -hmm. element in improving process, and that's to listen to the people that mm -hmm. are closest to the work. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there's also a business book I enjoy uh, called The Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell. And okay. one of the levels of leadership is connecting with your people on a personal level. Um, the, the lowest level of leadership is, I'm your boss, because it says that next to my title, right? Mm -hmm. To actually yeah. make that connection with people and to... Um, demonstrate that that you're you know putting in your uh, that you can produce as, as well are kind of yeah. important there. Um, how do you how did you go about listening to your people? And are there any times that um, that that really made an impact? Maybe a a suggestion, or maybe it was even um, you know somebody was having a situation that you helped them through. Maybe you know through the restaurant, but. Um, you know, in their personal lives or something, was there, was there any, any time where that listening, uh, really helped things and, and how did you go about taking time to yeah. listen? Cause you guys are busy all the time. Yeah. Danny and Danny Meyer used a, a term in his book called gracious assumption. And I employed that as soon as I understood that, that term and what gracious assumption is, is, when someone's late, someone broke a dish, someone burnt something, uh, someone's upset, you always assume the best. So for example, I, I had an employee that was late one time 
So um, this employee kind of has had a habit of being late. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, he came in and um, I said, is, and, and this is one of the things I, I always just learned is everything. Okay. Sure. That's the very first thing I would ask. And if someone was late, is everything okay? Because this employee said, no, I, I, uh, I saw an accident and I had to stop. Oh, wow. And it was ugly and awful. And I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of shaking. Yeah. So, you know, had I just lit into that person and say, what the hell are you doing? And why are you late again? And, you know, I would have just, you know, destroyed something there in that, in that moment. And, uh, um, yeah. But gracious assumption is really, really an important thing in listening to your staff um, because there are, there are the people that really, really want to be there. And then there are the people that, you know, they're, um, you know, they're, they're struggling with this and that and the other. And, um, and sometimes you need to let those, those people go because mm-hmm. uh, they're not in a place that's building the rest of the team up sure and by letting someone go like that the other team can breathe a sigh of relief that says the boss boss knows what we need Mm -hmm. and boss knows that this person is dragging their feet and so even in that difficult decision of letting someone go it can it can ultimately turn around in uh uh in the benefit because your staff realizes you take things seriously. Sure. You take performance seriously, you take attitude seriously and they can trust. And again, it's a, it's that building of trust that your team wants to see. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense that you're, yeah, that you're fully invested just as much as you hope right. that, that they are. Right. Um, when you were talking to, to chef Brian O'Malley um, on uh, open kitchen, that was um, a fun conversation. It, I, you know, I, I think that was the the second uh, podcast I listened to his, and I I was just I, I mean this this no BS here honestly I I listened to that thing and I'm just like completely invested in listening to you two, and I just like wow there's <laughs> what a great that conversation we were so engaged and yeah. you know bringing off each other's emotion and strength completely completely I and so. In, in that conversation, um, it was said, I, I think it was you saying, nobody cares like me, and it won't get done if I don't do it, and that's not good leadership. So my question to you, because I've seen, I've seen this in, in you know, the workplace, is you get somebody that's highly skilled, and they, that's the, the mentality they, they maintain. And the problem is then the team never gets a chance to step up and right. and flourish. So kind of a two-parter, two-parter here. How do you get yourself out of that mindset and mm-hmm. what caused you or how do you get yourself to trust your people yeah. to pull you out yeah. of that mindset? Someone asked me that recently and I don't know you we talk about strength finder. There's another personality assessment. Well, it's not really a, it's more less a personality, more of a motivation and fear, uh, understanding, and it's called the Enneagram. I've just discovered that in, this, in the 
past eight months. And that has really helped me not only understand myself, but my late wife who passed away over a year ago. Yeah. It helped me understand the things that we, we struggled with and dealt with and argued about and never could come to any kind of conclusion or resolution. And, and that tool helped me understand, oh, that's what's going on. In, in my type, I want to trust you. That, that, that comes naturally to my type. Yeah. And that's foreign to other people because they, you know, trusting is, is, uh, they're, they're, you have to be vulnerable too, to, to give them that trust. Yeah. But my, my personality type, that's how I get to know you. That's how I connect with you is I want to trust you. And that's, that will get me in trouble. (laughs) Um, it will also help me, I think, build, build a good team because if I can move out of that strength, is, you know, I want to be able to trust you to, to cook well, and I want to be able to trust you so I can leave, leave an hour, uh, hour before we close and know that you're going to, you're going to finish the plates well, and you're going to clean up well. And and you feel like, and I feel like you are growing and learning. That's, that is, that's already a bent in me. Yeah. And that's, that's not really necessarily common in, in the kitchen, especially with egos. Sure. uh, But I would, you know, I would much rather build a kitchen around trust to me of what it's, it's going to, uh, um, what it's going to lead to. Yeah. And uh, so I I think I, because I came by that naturally and I did not have, I did not have experience and I did not work for an egotist chef that, you know, everything was his way or the highway. And, and, um, you know, so I, I didn't, develop those those habits and those patterns and i was able to come in and create a team and a kitchen environment that i thought this this is the way i want to do it and yeah uh, so so speaking of you you had mentioned uh motivation a little bit ago um there, there are a couple couple quotes in there that i i really kind of pulled out that were i mean there's a ton of them but um one of them uh regarding the book a couple couple notes. You weren't sure if your story was a story worth telling. Right. You mentioned right. that, mm-hmm. and and you also said that that you hope that your voice that that if others hear that that will help them find their own They're, voice. Mm-hmm. Right. So that the first part of that is I I want to answer that question for you. Uh, your story is definitely worth telling. Um, <laughs> hence why I, 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 after finishing that, I'm like, I, I want to get a hold of Kevin and, and, and talk to him about that. So, um, and there's kind of a third element in there from a motivational standpoint was the, you, you'd rather say that you glad you did than you wish you had. So I guess expand on that. Your, your motivation. I mean, obviously that, you know, you, you mentioned creating, um, as kind of a, a driving force. So what, what continues to motivate you to move forward and keep doing stuff and, and helps you center yourself, I guess, and, 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 um, push forward. Again, I, I think it's understanding my personality type, you know, um, the, the type that I identify with, um, we are artists, we are um, individualists, mm-hmm. we are creative. And 
I am now in a place in my mid fifties to where I am, I am completely free now to explore that because uh, my wife passed, uh, you know, my businesses uh, have uh, come to an end. And now I, I am like a college kid that just graduated and he's got a really expensive degree but the difference is I've got a ton of life experience now yeah. and I can move forward and, and start creating again uh, with this new experience. And I'm not green and, and raw, out, you know, fresh out of college. That is invigorating to me yeah. as a creative type person. And, and I can, um, so back to that, that saying, that quote, I, I, I'm saying that again now. I want to be able to say, I'm glad I did the portico. Yeah. It lasted a year. But you did it. But I did it. And I'm glad I did it. Instead of, you know, back in that COVID season, I sure wish I had. Yeah. I never want to ever say that. That's, I, I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. I look back on 2020 and I have a very different experience than a lot of people did. I like I came alive in it, you know, thirty-eight nights of of guests. Wow, in my home. it's just so memorable. And uh, I, I had a I had a uh, wedding engagement in my backyard. Yeah, fortieth uh, birthday parties, uh, anniversaries. So at the, I, I mean, just averaging that out real quick. I mean, getting towards towards once a week at least so you yeah. know that's wow wow that's awesome you know that with with this new restaurant concept um you, you sort of answered my uh, question that i had written down here but i'll but i'll ask you in regards to bread and cup and, and etc hey it's break time here on the podcast if you get a moment, please leave us a nice, happy, positive review on Apple or Google Podcasts. That would be awesome. Truly, thank you for all of your support out there in any way that you're supporting us. Uh, we have fun doing this. We hope you have fun with us. So back to the show. You know, in, in regards to to your perspective and values, um, you know, you had mentioned actually earlier when we were talking just now about, you know, creating a place that you love working. Mm-hmm. place where serving and and eating food is you know you want to do that you want to bring your friends there you know yeah. is is what you were looking for yeah at at bread and cup and and maybe going forward here how did you keep that that perspective fresh for 10 years of making sure that it was continually a place that people wanted to come to i i think you're you're definitely distilling that into a concentrated essence here with portico but uh yeah i, I just feel elaborate on that a little bit well one one way was um implementing different nights mm-hmm. so we were a little tiny little restaurant we, we had it's a really really small kitchen and we had i think 32 seats inside and we had 48 seats outside oh wow yeah, so we doubled our our seating capacity in the in the warm weather months. Yeah, and those were killer nights when both inside and out was yeah. was uh, was booked. Um, but adding, so what we did was um, uh, 
realized that we had such a small kitchen that we had to be very, very focused on, on what we did. And so we uh, implemented, I think it was pasta, the first kind of specialty menu on Friday night. Because we couldn't, you know, we couldn't do pasta every night of the week, but we could sure do it well on Friday. And that would be our full on focus. And so we would come up with four to five fresh pasta dishes and every cook had a, had a part in that. Yeah. You know, so one cook rolled the, rolled all the pasta and cut the uh, fettuccine and, uh, and we made a, we made a, one or two pans of lasagna that would sell out every Friday night. And, and then we would, one, one cook would do the gnocchi and then one cook would do the uh, tortellini and so getting, getting staff involved in, in different parts of that night was, um, was energizing because then yeah. now they, they, had a, they had a stake in the night. Early on, I realized that the resource of the farmer's market was, that was three blocks away was untapped. So I, I bought a bunch of stuff and then realized I'm, I'm going to have to get a wagon or a cart. The green wagon, yeah. Wagon the next week and just would walk through and fill it. And, and then one of my cooks would go with me and then we, we would, uh, kind of talk as we went along and we would discuss, oh, should we get this? Let's get these. We can do this with that. And so we're building a menu as we're walking through the, through the market. And also we're attracting attention because we've got this green wagon full of <laughs> colorful beets and carrots and, and people would often stop and ask, can I take a picture of that? And win, win, win all over the, all over the board because we, we utilize fresh produce and, and our, my staff was energized because it was dynamic. We would go at eight o'clock when it opened, fill the wagon, come back around uh, nine o'clock. We'd sit down with legal pads. We, and within 30 minutes, we'd hammer out a menu. That's awesome. And we would go, I'd go take a nap <laughs> because uh, the, the restaurant was was just full of, uh, for brunch. So that's kind of one of the ways we did. We we kept things fresh. We we added a pizza night. That was the only time we did pizza. You know, typically restaurants. You know, here's your menu and it's this wide and right. You know, no ours was you know like here's right. what we're serving at my house today. This is what we're yeah. serving and, and people would come in and say burger. No, this is pizza night. And some people would walk out and some people. Lots of people, oh, we came just for this. We drove from Grand Island <laughs> just for pizza night. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, that, 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 that's one of the ways that we, we try to keep it fresh. Well, well, speaking of keeping it fresh, and, and you know, you mentioned learning and growing. So mm -hmm. you, you talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the, uh, the different kind of, not personality, but the kind of evaluation that you've learned about in the last eight months mm -hmm. or so. But what are some of the other things that you're learning now? I mean, obviously, this whole new restaurant concept—you're, yeah. you're not only learning, you're like writing the book on it, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and again, I don't—I just—I don't know if it's just personality type, or if it is—I'm—I'm I'm just in a place of freedom to explore now again. And again, guys my age are typically thinking about retiring, and you know, what am I going to do in the next seven, eight years to? You know, I, and I'm thinking, no, I got gas in the tank. Let's go. 
let's do something new. Yeah. And and I, I, again, I don't know if that's just personality driven or, or what, but, but that's what I'm, your question is, what am I learning? I'm learning about myself. Yeah. I'm learning what motivates me and what, what thrills me in, and, um, you know, I, uh, you know, like one of the, one of the things I noticed about myself was, uh, my, my energy level started to decrease and, you know, everybody says, Oh, you know, you're, that happens in your fifties. I'm not going to settle for that. When, when my wife passed and, and, um, I realized I don't have another person to take care of because I was her full-time caregiver in that last year of hospice. Yeah. And, um, people, you know, someone commented, man, you're looking good. You're looking different. I was like, well, when you don't have, you don't have to take care of two people, you can take care of one. Yeah. And, and so I, I started kind of looking into what am I eating? What am I, you know, my sleep habits and, and, uh, and, and learning what can I be doing now at my, my, my stage in life to, to boost energy, uh, decrease my weight and, just learning now how to how to eat differently yeah for my my age and my energy levels now coming back up and and awesome uh, so that's yeah i'm learning about myself if i had to guess i i think that you've seems like you've done a good job of that throughout your life you're you're able to observe yourself i guess it it, it seems to me because you're 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 taking the time you have the presence of mind that you're analyzing what you want to do and the things that right. you can do. And, and that's really cool. Um, you know, you, you mentioned a couple well, of, a couple of times, yeah. you know, support from your, your sister. Um, yeah. it seems like she's right. been a very important, uh, very force, important. um, in very your life. Good. And, uh, and well, so people ask me, you know, uh, how'd you open a restaurant in your forties? I did because <laughs> well, I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's just, just like knowing myself well enough and, and like how I was raised and what my dad instilled in me and my creative ability and my ability, my drive to learn and to figure things out. It just didn't seem like it was going to the moon. Yeah. So knowing that about myself, yeah, it was really crucial in starting the restaurant because you know, uh, my, my dad, he never hired a plumber, never hired an electrician. We roofed our own house. We cleaned our own septic tank out. <laughs> and, and I, I, re I remember that just, that's, you know, you just fix everything. Yeah. And so when I got married and we bought this house and we weren't in it six months and the water heater went out and I thought, when am I going to find time to fix that? Uh -huh. And I'm just, you know, Puzzling, you know, and my wife said, we just call a plumber. I thought, what do you mean? Just call a plumber. <laughs> <A> what? <laughs> That's what people do. It's, it's okay to reach out for help sometimes. It's That's okay good. to reach out for a plumber. That's good. Well, uh, if, if, if you're, if you'll permit me, I, I did want to ask you a little bit about Karen. Um, yeah. if, if that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. my, uh, my, my mom, um, passed away, uh, several years ago of cancer. And so mm -hmm. I'm very familiar with, uh, what, what type? uh, brain cancer actually. Wow. Um, wow. and, uh, so I, and I've, I, I know a lot of people have had, uh, uh close friends, relatives, people they know impacted. 
Um, when you were talking to to Dan on the Restaurant Hoppin' uh, podcast, when when it kind of came to that part of the discussion, that really just a little bit of a a gut punch. I'll I'll say is just like, mm-hmm. man, I I felt it. You know, um, you, you had mentioned in that interview that you uh, the the chapter entitled "Cancer" in the book was mm-hmm. huge. It was like fifteen thousand words, I right? Think. And yeah. I, I'm so glad that there were pictures of, of Karen, your wife, in the book, yeah. and you could see, at least from those pictures, I, I believe that that she had a lot of spark and 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 oh, yeah. happiness. Yeah. And I guess I just wanted to, I just wanted to ask you or, or or give you the floor a little bit to to maybe add any of those pieces, maybe just to tell me a little a little bit more ab- about her. Obviously, a fighter. No yeah. question through several yeah. rounds of, of yeah. uh, cancer coming back. And I know how brutal the treatment can be. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you want to just put yeah. out there, any, any details that maybe got yeah. cut from the, the book? We were, we were, we were definitely a team um, front and back. You know, she was, she was the out front at the register um uh, uh, talk to anybody, um, create these special request orders that would drive us crazy. Karen, <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> you don't know what you just told them we could do. <laughs> Got to do what? You know, that's not even thought out. <laughs> uh, so she, you know, she just kind of had her own own way and own own charm, and you know, I mean, there were. There were at least 600 people at her funeral. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just then probably most of them were restaurant related people that she had touched. Um, The, uh, the restaurant business, well, going into business with your spouse is very difficult and it will challenge the marriage and it did ours. Um, And um just because the the stress of it and uh, there's uh, there's no place to hide because you come home and, and your, your your work partner's at home yes and then you can work and your your wife your your housemate is at, at work and that has to be managed that's that's got to be that's got to be worked out and talked through and and counseling and yeah therapy and all that is is fair game yeah. But for us, cancer was an odd, odd reprieve. Interesting. Um, yeah, it kind of took the focus off of the stress of the business and it put it on a common enemy, which was cancer. Oh, sure. And, you know, and anytime there was a surgery or a, or a, or a treatment or a doctor's appointment, my, my staff just stepped up, chef, you, you, I'll, I'll, we'll cover. That's a team. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so that's what I mean by it was a strange reprieve because now people, people were for us as a, as a couple, Yeah. not just as a, you know, a restaurant owner, but, but as, as people, uh, and to the point where, uh, when when the, her cancer recurred the second time in 2012, some folks from that knew us from the restaurant pulled it together. They pulled Clayton Chapman down from Omaha and and did a, a fundraiser for us to help pay for um, 
That's some awesome. of the, uh, the medical bills because we had a lot of out-of-pocket costs. I had probably twenty over twenty thousand in, and that fundraiser raised enough for me to I, to to pay all that off. Amazing. Remember, we did have insurance, but you know it's just all the other other side expenses that you don't really think about that add up. And, yeah, and that just wiped it out. Wow. And yeah. having that in place was really. Uh, a blessing and, and yeah. so unusual and fortunate. How how awesome is at the beginning of our talk? You had mentioned how getting together over food is something mm-hmm. that can't be replaced. Yeah. And I mean, wow! If you if you want to see a demonstration of how you obviously yeah. connected yeah. with people, yeah. there it was on display. Yeah. I mean, that's my mother. My mother in law asked, uh, "Who are all these people?" <laughs> And she said, are these your church friends? No, these are our restaurant friends. <laughs> your restaurant friends? I've never been to a restaurant where I would know them. <laughs> well, that's us. That's us. Oh, that's who we are. oh that's, that is awesome. That is awesome. Um, so I, I, I guess to, to, to bring things, uh, uplift them a bit, um, you, you sign the book. The last thing you say in the book is, in hope, is the mm-hmm. end of the book. Right. And where I, I, you know, obviously we, we have the, the benefit now of, of time since the book was completed and what you're doing now. Um, yeah. But where's that hope taking you right now? Well, I'll tell you where that, that, that salutation came from. Please. Um, I was a letter writer in college. Uh, this was, you know, pre-internet. And, yeah. And I, I kept a stack of, my mom was a mail carrier, so she always gave me stamps and, and I kept, you know, stationary and, and I would write letters to people all the time. And there's a huge box of letters that Karen and I wrote back and forth to each other for the two years we were apart yeah. in California and Oklahoma. Um, and that's just a treasure. You know, my kid, I just told my kids, this is for you. Someday you'll, you'll find more about your mom, dad, uh, but I would, uh, you know, I, I, being a creative person, I always kind of got to figure out how to make a mark. But, you know, people would say in Christ or in love, in love or sincerely or not, in hope. Oh, nice. So, so I wrote. And so I wrote that on my letters 35 years ago when letters were a thing and, and yeah. that's, that's how I just signed, signed my name in hope, Kevin. I love and it. Because I, you know, I just, that, that was part of my DNA. It was, you know, I, I just want to always be a hopeful person. And and I, I, you know, want to be the type of person that when you see me, you don't want to turn and run. You see me and think, Oh, there's Kev. <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm glad to see him, you know, and that's the hope, you know. I just want to, and and that's what changed my opinion about the book was I was thinking it was a story about a restaurant that failed, and then it it it's so much no, more. It, no, it's it's a story of hope because it was the it was what gave me hope. Well, and how how interesting that yeah, you have a restaurant that that clearly connected with so many. And and now in a totally different medium, the book, you're you're connecting with people again yeah. in a in a yeah. different way, uh, and it, yeah, reading through it and and being you know, 
that the the book is it's food centered, but that is not its primary storyline. But I think that book is is useful for anyone, you know, business teams, self reflection. There, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of courses to that meal, if I may create a strange pun or, or something yeah, analogy that, there. That was, <laughs> that, I'm glad you I'm glad you point that out because that was very intentional. And my editor told me, as as she she said, as you go back through and 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 compile and pull things out, be careful not to overthink it. She said, especially your chapter on cancer, because that was raw. And that was how you were feeling at the moment. Don't over-edit that. Yeah. Well, and the, and the book's available on, on your website, 55degrees.us. Yeah. And then there's a, a bookstore in Lincoln you can pick it up at. Yeah, also, Francine right? and Finch Bookshop. It's at um, uh, 13th and O, uh, just downtown Lincoln. And it's a cute little bookshop. Those are the only two places right now that I, I made it available because, one, you know, Bread and Cup was always all about local and so I just wanted uh, 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 that bookshop to uh, kind of share the share the share the love there. The love there. You can buy Bread and Cup Starter off of the website, and in your book you have some recipes there. And uh, there's one for a nice, simple recipe for pasta that that I really want to try out. And uh, but you don't include one for bread because you want to teach. How to make bread? So, I, so I gotta ask: Do you have any bread making classes coming up in the works so people can buy that starter uh, and do something with it? I, um, I will um, when I get my when I get my kitchen um, in in a place for where it's in, inspected and proved, and and I'll have adequate space to do that. Yeah, I'll I'll do those. I in the meantime, I have some videos on YouTube that are instructional um, about baking bread and how to make a starter. Uh, but w- that was one of my favorite things about the restaurant was doing my bread class every winter. And that was so fun because you got to see people, the, the lights coming on and like, oh, that's what it's supposed to feel like. And oh, and then, you know, then we actually put it in the oven and then we bring it out and pour wine and cheese and break this hot bread open. Oh. So magic like, yeah intoxicating oh my goodness oh my goodness. that's that's awesome i i like that i think it's such a fun approach and yet another opportunity for you to connect with people and really take some of your skills and 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 pass them along you know just like a like a grandmother I, uh you know I probably gave away 65 of those starters in, in march and april Oh, I bet. Oh, I bet people were looking for them everywhere, huh? Yeah, people were looking for flour, and and so I would just do. I did this little weekly YouTube trade, so I would set out, you know, eight or ten containers, and and people would either bring toilet paper or a bottle of wine. Nice. And I I only got two rolls of toilet paper, and I got about thirty bottles of wine. So you can see what's the the precious commodity. <laughs> Nobody's giving up their toilet paper. 
<laughs> man, if that just isn't the embodiment of <laughs> summarizing some of that, oh my goodness! Yeah, but it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was a good little swap. I, got myself some wine for a few I, I suppose that at a, at a certain point, if you have enough wine, you may not care about the toilet paper until so I, you know, I, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, you'll uh, make do with something else. Uh, one, one more question, kind of. Um, uh, there's a, there's some tips in the book um, about finding a good restaurant in another city, and you mentioned talking to the owner, and yeah. I, I, which I'm planning to go to Fort Collins in April, and I'm following I, my own rules there. I like it. I like it. I'm not I'm not going to spoil all the rules because people should read the book and, and pick up on them. But but you do mention talking to the owner or the manager, and so yeah. I, it's kind of a two part question. Part one is. What questions, A, would you ask them, and and how? So in other words, it's like, you know, if I call up a restaurant and be like, I need to talk to chef, like what's going on at your restaurant? You know, how do you respectfully pull that information out? Acknowledging why you want to go there. You know, what what's what's in what's endearing or enticing or what have you heard? And and that kind of feedback is is really enjoyed by an owner. Like, oh, that's really cool, you know. Um, and um, but just letting letting people know why you want to go there, and and it's you know maybe it's because of somebody told you about it, or you heard about it, or read about it, or you saw it on a on a list. Uh, but what intrigued you? What what uh, like we we had a couple. Uh, that would come up regularly from Kansas City. His mother uh, lived here in town, and uh, so they would come up to see her. But a big part of it was at least two meals at Bread and Cup nice. during the weekend. And uh, so I got to know Martin and his wife, and, and um, uh, yeah, they just we just love coming here. We tell people about it all the time because you come out and see us. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I'm just doing my thing, and and but they, 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 people say, when you come out and see us, chef came out and see it. He came out of the kitchen, talked to us. Yeah, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm just trying to, you know, connect with people. But I did not realize how important that was to certain guests. And some people don't care, but some guests they they really, really, really like that personal touch. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, I think the the quote is something along the lines of one of the best ways to get a to, a hug back is to hug first, mm-hmm, um, yeah. and that's well, it, and you know I guess there's there's that personal connection thread again. If you if you call that chef or that restaurant and and make that connection, they're probably more likely yeah. to to give you some information as well. Yeah, and and so I guess the the converse of that too, you know, being you know people giving feedback or criticism as, as a chef, as an owner, as someone that's taking so much pride in, in their work and being Mm -hmm. a part of the hospitality industry, trying to provide hospitality. What, what do you feel is a good way for someone to give that constructive feedback or criticism where it's not hurtful, but they do want to mention something that maybe, something didn't turn out the way they thought it should. I would uh, personally respond 
to any negative comment. Usually you can tell fairly quickly and, and there are two things that I would distinguish in the, in the feedback is, is it a performance issue or is it a preference issue? Oh, I like that. Yeah. You know, that takes some of the emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so when someone says, you know, my chicken was cold and we realized we didn't have chicken on the menu. That <laughs> night. <laughs> Wait, did you bring your own? Like the <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so, you know, you could just kind of assess some things like that, that, you know, or if they say, you know, that the, the pork chop was, was rare. Well, well, that, that could be a performance thing. Maybe we undercooked it. Was there, was their meal really late? Like they said, okay, why do we, do we, can we kind of trace that back and, and, so you can t- you can tell if it's a performance issue or if it's preference. I just didn't like this the chili soup. It was too hot, too spicy. Yeah. Okay, I can't really do anything about that because that's our standard. That's our chili. chili soup, and it, it's not you know it, that we're, we're not going to change the temperature because one person complained about it. Yeah. We'll just say I'm I'm sorry. I can refund you. Get you something else. Uh, but also what I would usually start out every response to negative feedback is thank you for taking the time to, to bring this to my attention. These are the hardest emails to read, or these are the hardest comments to read, but they are the most important. And I really appreciate it. I know that's a sudden end to the conversation. Please check out the portico lnk.com and 55degrees.us to see what Kevin is up to. He's got good stuff ahead. Thank you so much for listening. Our show is recorded and produced by Fatterday Omaha. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as email fatterdayomaha at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and stay hungry.